This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy Tuesday from Studio B. I'm Jared Sampson filling in for Sean Kelly on today's Black and Blue Report. On today's show, we've got Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer and advocate writer for the Saints, Joel Erickson. We'll be right back with today's show. Join your New Orleans Pelicans on Thursday, February 25th at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center when your Pelicans tip off against All-Stars Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pelicans Fest starts at 5.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans Dance Team. Limited tickets are still available, so don't miss out on any of the action. And call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminix. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Good morning, Jim. Uh, thank you for joining us here on today's Black and Blue Report. How are we doing this morning? Not bad. How are you, Jared? Pretty good. So we'll jump right into this and talk a little bit about what's coming up on Thursday with the NBA trade deadline. Uh, that's kind of what's happening now that we're in this all-star break against the next major development in things for the NBA this season. So just give me a, your take on that deadline in general, um, what teams uh, you should you know, expect to, to probably have to make some tough decisions on that day, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think this year is, is interesting because in the Eastern Conference, for example, there's a ton of um, parity. There's a, it's, a, it's a pretty tight race between from like the fourth place team to the tenth place team. I think there's a lot of teams that, that might think – if we can make one move, if we can add one key guy, we could improve our position drastically. So I think that's one thing to look look out for this year is um, I think, especially in the East, there's a, there's a lot of teams that could be in position to make a move and could be um, buyers. I mean, I think that's one thing that people look at every year is who are the teams that are trying to add guys and who are, who are the teams that are trying to get rid of guys. And um, I do think that it's been it's it's almost impossible from year to year to predict how much activity there will be at the trade deadline but if there's if you're hoping if you're one of those people that hope hopes that there's a lot of movement i think that's one thing that you might point to that could lead to there being more trades than than normal this year is that i think there are some teams out there that um look at their position and say you know we we could really make a a jump in the in the standings right now if we add one or two um, key players. Gotcha. And given your experience in the league and watching how things have taken, um, have, have kind of panned out in the past, has there been any surprises or major surprises in the past that you kind of scratch your head at? Like, wow, I can't believe that just happened when it comes, comes to the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that was funny, I thought last year was really a, a crazy trade deadline day because um, we, we happened to be traveling 
that day. I think we were going to Orlando because that was the, the first game after the All-Star break. And about an hour or an hour and a half maybe before the trade deadline last year, there was there was like no activity at all. And everybody was looking around at each other like, oh, I guess it's going to be one of those boring years where no one makes any trades, no one does anything, and everybody pretty much stands pat. And then uh, as I think we were headed to the airport, we heard that um, Phoenix traded Goran Dragic, and there was a, one or two other trades that were kind of surprising that came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it was like the floodgates opened, and it was funny. By the between the time that we went to the airport and um, took off for the flight, there were so many trades that it was like I needed—I literally needed to sit down for like 20 minutes, a half hour, and go through everything and look up all the different trades because it was to the point where people were like, you, "You'd bring up a different player, and you'd be like, wait, is he on this team or is he on that team?' Or I mean, just Phoenix alone, I think made like five trades." So um, I think last year was one of those one of those deals where um, for people who really love trades and love the discussion and stuff like that, last year was really fun because, like I said, there were so many different trades that it was like the landscape of the NBA changed in a period of like 30 minutes to an hour during um, that trade deadline day. And um, for the Pelicans, it was interesting last year that um, they made what, you know, most people across the league deemed as a very minor move by picking up Norris Cole, but he ended up being a, a, a huge reason why they made the playoffs. And you could argue last year that, you know, without him, if they hadn't made the move to pick him up after the injuries that they had, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is, is bad today. I'm sure people can tell um, from who've listened to this to me each week. Um, he, uh, you know, if they didn't pick him up, they, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs. So I think that's another thing that people always want to analyze like immediately at the trade deadline, like, okay, this team um, is going to be this because of this trade or because they didn't do this or that. But I feel like there's always guys that are kind of under the radar that make a difference. And so that's a, another thing that um, people will be should be looking at this year. So it's safe to say that tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, on Thursday, it's a big deal for the NBA in general. And I know you can't make any predictions or probably would rather not make any predictions. But overall, do you think it's going to be a quiet year uh, just from things that you may have heard across the league? Uh, or you think it's going to be one of those years that might be some surprises going on throughout the um, the teams? No, it's funny. I, I don't think I can make a, a solid prediction as far as what I think is going to happen because I feel like I've heard different things. I've heard people say that because of one of the, you know, partly because of what I mentioned earlier about um, the, the race in the East being so tight that there will be a lot of moves. I've also heard people have the, come from the school of thought that um, that there won't, there'll be less this year, um, partly because the salary cap is going way up next year and that there's going to be teams that try to kind of just hang tight. Because Pretty much, I mean, almost every team in the league is going to have a lot of money to spend in the summer. So <clears throat> I think there's people out there that think that, um, that teams are going to just wait until July 1st, instead of, you know, s trying to strike now and adding payroll, they're going to, they're, they're instead they'll wait until free agency begins and, and go that way. Um, I think there's a lot of teams out there that think that this is a rare opportunity where the salary cap is going up so much that you want to be in the running. You want to be one of those teams that has a chance to, 
compete for free agents that you never had a chance to get go after in the past because you were always, you know, up against the salary cap. So I feel like there's a lot of different opinions about what's going to happen on Thursday, which I think is part of what, what could make this really interesting to watch to see what happens. I'm sure you have a lot to write about in general uh, once Thursday's decisions come out and teams start making those um, those moves if they decide they're going to start trading players. Uh, moving on from that, we got a second half of the Pelicans season coming up, and it should be an interesting season. Talk to us about what you foresee happening, uh, regardless of the trades that may or may not happen. What do you think the Pelicans have to do to be contenders for the second half of the season? I mean, it's going to be – excuse me, it's going to be tough to get back into the, into the race. But I mean, I think the analogy that I use right now is like there's six and a half games out with, and they have 29 left. I look at it. The analogy that I kind of use is it's, it's like you're down by 20 in the third quarter. You're, you're, it's not looking good, but if you can kind of get back to, you know, if you can get the score back to within you're down by 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter, then maybe you have a chance. And I think right now, Short term, they need to try to get it down to being three or four games out of eight, and then you can say, okay, we're back in the race. Right now, I think six and a half is is a lot. It, I mean, it's that's a pretty big gap that they have to make up. And and I mean, there is a good amount of time left in the season, but there's not a ton of time. And I think the margin of error is definitely shrinking right now. But um, I think one of the things in general that I heard um, Anthony Davis say last week that I thought was interesting was, regardless of how they finish the season or regardless of whether they make the playoffs or not. I think one of the things that they want to do over the last two months of the season is, you know, people use the word culture all the time. I think that's something that they want to, they want to show that they're not going to give in on the season. And even if it gets to the point where realistically their playoff chances are, are pretty much gone. They, they still want to play hard every single game. They still want to show what they can do. And I think you want, you don't want to be one of those teams that, you know, when, the second half of the season gets going or you get down to the last few weeks of the season that you kind of give in. I think you want to still be one of those teams that is, you know, like I said, is playing hard and that people re- respect the effort that you put in every game. And I think that's something that if, even if they don't make the playoffs, I think they want to be able to have something to build on going into next season and, and be able to say that, you know, even though we weren't in the race at the end that we still did a lot of stuff that we were trying to do and, and showed people that this is a better team than, you know, obviously the, the 20 and 33 record that they have right now. Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, Anthony Davis, he puts his best foot forward always. I know he recently was out at the all-star games and had a pretty decent performance uh, considering he only played for about 15 minutes and he had the skills challenge on Saturday. And he also participated obviously in a game on Sunday. Talk to us about Anthony Davis as a player, as a person, his his drive, what keeps him going, even in the situation right now, being an all-star player, but the team right now isn't performing probably where we would want it to be. But talk to us about how sure. he, he takes on that role as that leader of the team. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that's really a credit to him that you kind of alluded to was that he always gives big-time effort. I think, you know, he there's been games this year where he's been the – not only is he the best player on the floor, but he's also the guy that if after the end of the game, you said, I think he played harder than anybody did. So, I mean, I think that's, that can be somewhat rare. I mean, I think, you know, usually you look at the role players as the guys that are the ones that are diving on the floor for loose balls, diving into the stands. Um, 
for for loose balls. Unfortunately, that led to one of Anthony Davis's injuries this year. But I mean, you have to respect how hard the guy plays, and he's not one of those players that is like, "Well, I'm the star. I don't need to do the dirty work stuff. I don't need to, you know, dive into the second row for a ball like he did in the the one game against I think it was Indiana that he got injured in." So I mean, that's one thing that's never never a question with him is that he always brings it every single game. And um, I think one of the reasons why people respect him a lot is that they know that his effort is always there. And he, you know, he's just one of those guys that, 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 that plays hard every single play. And, um, you know, that's something that, that, uh, that I definitely respect about him as well. And he had a pretty strong uh, performance in the all-star game, uh, performing with 24 points, several dunks, uh, that again speaks to his talent, and we just spoke to his his drive as a person and as an individual player to go out there and die for the ball, do what he has to do to make sure you know he shows his passion every single game. Let's hope we have that same drive and passion the second half of the season. Any expectations on Friday as we take on the Seventy Sixers? Um, I think it's one of those games that obviously you look at and you say it, it, it's got to be a win, and you're playing at home. They've played better at home over the last. Um, month or so of the season and obviously the Sixers have the worst record in the NBA so the Sixers are definitely playing better over the last um month or two since compared to what they did at the beginning of the season but it's still one of those games that you really need to win and um as I said you know you need to start cutting into the six and a half games deficit that you have right now from eighth place and so this is the kind of game that I think you have to win if you don't win this game you really it's you know it's only one game but you still are like you know how are we going to make up the, this ground if we can't beat the team that has the worst record in the league so it's definitely an important game to to start our things off with the second half of the season gotcha looking at the schedule going forward and the opponents that they have coming up both home and away uh, i think it's a it's a it's a tough impossible heel they're trying to climb or you think there's some there's some there's some uh, leeway where they can kind of gain some ground um, I wouldn't say impossible. And the, the one thing that I go back to is um, last year they were four games out with 11 left. Um, so realistically, I mean, they're not that much further behind what they were last year with a lot more time left. Of course, the one thing that you could point to is last year's team um, to be able to get into the playoffs went eight and three in the last 11 games. And that was how they made up that, that four game difference. Um, is this year's team capable of a run like that? I'm not sure. Um, based on the the resume that they've put forward so far, you'd have to say no. That realistically, they can't. They're not going to be able to put together a, a stretch where they're that good for that long of a period of time. But um, you know, I think that's one thing that you hope that happens is that they're going to have to play obviously the best stretch of basketball they've played this season. So um, to be able to even give themselves a chance to make the playoffs, um, I think the schedule is. They've had stretches where it was really tough. They've had stretches where it was a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, I feel like the rest of the schedule is kind of in the middle. It's, they have some stretches that are kind of both. They have some tough ones and they have some, they have some easier ones. So um, it's really going to be up to them to to put together, you know, a, a great um, two months of basketball to be able to say, okay, we're we're back in the race now. Well, it should be an exciting second half of the season. Thank you for joining us, Jim and. Hopefully you'll be writing a lot about some wins coming up in the second half. 
That would be great. I I would look forward to that. Thanks a lot for having me. No problem. Feel better. Thank you. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. All right, now we're going to go ahead and move on and talk to Joel Erickson, who is with The Advocate, and he's a Saints writer. Good morning, Joel. How are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Jared. I uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, right now I'm doing so so far so good in the offseason. I know uh, we got some things coming up, and we just got through the uh, first major scouting event for the year, which is Senior Bowl in Mobile. Let's talk a little bit about that. Any players stuck out to you at Senior Bowl? Yeah, uh, there, there seems to be a lot of uh, defensive tackles um, in, in this year's draft, uh, especially since the Senior Bowl, uh, just by virtue of, of only taking seniors, sometimes doesn't get the top guys, but there were – uh, you know, Vernon Butler had some good moments from Louisiana Tech. Uh, I liked, everybody liked what Sheldon Rankins from Louisville did. And then there's a guy a little bit further down the radar, Matt Yelidnitis, I think I hope I'm saying that right, from Temple, who really uh, jumped out and wasn't wasn't expected to. Uh, so there's some defensive tackles. Noah Spence uh, from Eastern Kentucky, used to play at Ohio State, dominated the week. Uh, I mean, he he was by far the best player there. Uh, as a defensive end, and then uh, uh, on offense, we liked uh, we liked a couple of running backs. We liked uh, Tyler Irvin from San Jose State and Kenneth Dixon from Louisiana Tech. Both guys who kind of offer that little versatility out of the backfield and some quickness in, in open space. Got that. And now, would uh, you be interested in seeing any of these players work out for the Saints, uh, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the defensive tackles, especially. Uh, defensive tackles, especially defensive tackles, a position where um, you know Kevin Williams played 52% of the snaps last year at, at 35 years old. You, you probably like to get uh, some younger guys in the pipeline to, if they bring him back, to either take some snaps off of him or if he doesn't come back to replace him. Um, and and some of those three technique guys, I think Rankins is a guy uh, we'd love to see work out. Butler's another one. He's a really big guy. You wonder. He, he weighed in at 325. You want to know what he tests at. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's there's some other guys that you, you, you kind of like to see uh, um, see how they test. I really liked, at tight end, I kind of liked uh, Henry Krieger-Koble from Iowa. Um, but it, it, was hard to, it was hard to get a good read on, on what he could do uh, physically. That's something you could kind of see at the combine. Got that. So, yeah, speaking of the combine, that's coming up. Second major um, 
scouting event here for the NFL leading up to the draft. Talk about the combine and what you were looking forward to seeing the most um, regarding the players that could possibly be making some moves here to the Saints. Uh, well, you know, the position that I think that uh, we've had our eye on is uh, is linebacker. I mean, they've, they've, they've let go of David Hawthorne and Ramon Humber. Uh, Danelle Ellerby's coming back, but that's there's still that's still two of your top four from last year who are gone. And uh, this is a good year for linebackers who not only not only stop the run but are really good in coverage. Now we're not going to see uh, some of these guys that some of the top two guys in the combine say at injury stuff uh, in terms of them working out. Um, Miles Jack from UCLA and and Jalen Smith from Notre Dame both got hurt last season. Um, but the thing is, uh, Jack um, Jack is, has, has been saying that he wants to. He's got his sights set on competing at the NFL Combine. He's a guy that be really interesting to see work out, just because he's he's a linebacker who once played who played running back uh, with a lot of success for UCLA at times. Uh, they used him to cover wide receivers out of the slot, and I think Jalen Smith from Notre Dame, who's who's most people's when he's healthy, the, the best linebacker on the board uh, i think he's showing up and doing interviews so it'll be interesting to see where he is in the process uh suffered a, a really bad knee injury uh against ohio state in the bowl game um but but it'd be interesting to see where he is and where he thinks he can get to uh obviously that could affect that could affect where he's drafted if he if he can play earlier in the season or if he has to maybe wait till till, till week eight or something all right so linebacker position you're you're uh hoping to see some activity on for the Saints. Any other key positions you think we need to focus on? Uh, tight end. Uh, ben Watson, obviously, uh, wants to come back uh, to the Saints. Um, he's another guy who's uh, he's another guy who's, who's getting up there in the years. He's 35, and uh, he had that great season last year, spectacular season. He's in great shape. Um, but it's, it's still it's another place where you might want to have a a younger guy in the pipeline. I, I don't have a good feel for the tight end class yet, um, and what they've got there. It, it's, it's a position with the Saints. It's a position with the Saints where, especially with that passing offense that they've got, um, you don't necessarily need to have a top of the line guy to be very, very productive. Um, so you know, maybe some of those middle round guys. It'd be interesting to see who's who's got some athleticism, who might be able to develop. Um, and really, really with that, I'm just kind of looking for who stands out because I haven't gotten a good look at the guys other than the Senior Bowl guys. Um, you know, some of the corners, uh, some of the guys we saw at the Senior Bowl, like James James Bradbury from Samford, really big kid, uh, Harlan Miller from Southeast Louisiana, who had a good week. You'd like to see them test, see how they test against the uh, uh, the other guys, and then. Uh, you know, you get interested in the power stats with the guards. Obviously, with the Jari Evans um, and the Saints parting ways, uh, guards going to be something that all of us are looking at throughout the draft. And we saw some good ones at the Senior Bowl. Stanford's Josh Garnett and Kansas State's Cody Whitehair uh, really stuck out in drills, really stuck out in the one-on-ones. And it's it's uh, although the thing with the combine is you don't really get to see much football, but it'd still be interesting to see some of those power stats because Garnett's a guy who who looked powerful, and, and you wonder his bench press and stuff like that kind of backs up what we saw at the Senior Bowl. Gotcha. And so what comes up next for the evaluation process? You know, Senior Bowl's done, uh, Combine's coming up, and then we got other evaluation processes in place. What um, 
will you take on the next steps in the process for evaluating players? Well, well once the scouting combine's over, teams teams generally, um, and I, I believe the Saints said, I believe the Saints staff said this at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. But after, after the combine, you really start to hone in on some guys, uh, and then they have they have their pro days at their schools. Uh, where you can get a, a much closer look at them, you know, you can get guys even you know they, even if they're doing drills in front of 32 scouts from all 32 teams, you can get them off to the side for some stuff, ask them some things. Uh, you can you start bringing people in for private workouts. Uh, at the combine uh, really really is when everything sort of starts to to you really really start to um, figure out where guys might get drafted, that kind of thing, and start setting the board. So. Um, you know, a- after this, that's after this. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, pro days and stuff like that. But uh, it's sort of all downhill from there. Going to the draft is like a you know momentum going that way. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about you. I know we kind of jump right into this interview. So you write for the Advocate, and mm-hmm. you pretty much write for the Saints. Yeah, I cover the Saints, Saints, and Saints alone. Um, with the exception of, of some NFL writing, if uh, like last week I was at the Super Bowl, and obviously with Peyton Manning being from New Orleans and some other guys there being from Louisiana, we did some stories on that. But uh, cover the Saints alone, and then some NFL stuff if if need be. Gotcha. And as you know, the Saints are celebrating their 50th season next season. So, what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing out of the team for that uh, big milestone season? Um, any predictions on looking at the schedule? I know we don't have the actual date yet, but looking at the home and away opponents, any predictions on what you think the team can pull off? Uh, I know, you know, a lot is still kind of yet to be determined with, you know, the draft and any t- particular teams we may, uh, sorry, any particular players we may acquire. But judging the, by the team right now as is, any predictions? Uh, no, it's, it's very early for me. I, to be honest, I haven't even really – I haven't even really thought about it yet. Um, I sort of tend to take things, take things as they go, and and right now we're we're transitioning into the draft off of stuff like that. And um, you know, I haven't really even looked at at what other teams are losing and stuff like that yet. Really been focused on the Saints, so might have to table my any predictions until a little bit later. <laughs> I just wanted to put you on the spot. Good answer, though. Good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so yeah, much you for joining us uh, on the show today, Joel. And we hope that, you know, you have a lot of great things to write about in the 50th season. I'm sure you'll have a lot of sidebar sidebar stories, legends, and different people like that who will be a part of the activities coming up uh, as we celebrate 50 years with the franchise here in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it it should be be a, a good and busy year. Gotcha. Well, we'll keep you busy with lots of good things to write about. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free 
and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for joining us for today's Black and Blue Report. I'm Jared Sampson. Sean Kelly will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.